1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Hello, welcome to a special episode of the Flats and Shanks podcast. Um, After the success of, um, what was it, last week, two weeks ago with Mark Evans on the state of English rugby, we thought we'd was do... Was that a
2: success? Do you think it was a success? Well,
0: it was something different to what we normally do, wasn't it, Flats? There was no jokes. Yes. Yeah. Um, there was no eating. You didn't eat through any of it, which... No. Which So it must have been good and engaging.
2: Well, I'm glad we're starting five a couple of minutes late on this one, actually, Tommy, because I've just had um, two tins of sardines and sunflower oil. Oh, your
0: Continues breath must be amazing. Awful, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because it was, a, it was a different podcast, we thought we'd... Um, we're trying to get into Welsh rugby, and what better person to invite on than someone's not associated with a WRU, someone that's not so associated with a club. Um, so we have got Simon Thomas, um, rugby correspondent for the Wales Online. That's been there for over thirty-three years. Won many, many an award, but he's really humble and he doesn't want to go on about him. Thank God, mm. um, Simon. Welcome. Welcome to the Flats and Shanks podcast. I know it's been a lifelong ambition to get on.
3: I have to say, my last award was a book token in Sunday school, and there's about seven, so I'm not sure about that. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll take it on my CV, if we can add it in. Just go into Wikipedia and just add all the awards in. I'd be quite happy with that.
0: Oh, I'm sorry you're not wanting it. I, I just assumed. <laughs> I assume because your articles are so good.
3: Well, i tell you, one of my one of my very fine articles recently was a piece with you. Yep. Um, you're very kind. And uh, Flats, you may like to know that... Uh, during the course of our chat, you, you came up in conversation. and uh, right. would, would you like to know what uh, Shanks had to say about you?
2: Yeah. Do you know what he does a lot of? He does a lot of uh, <laughs> slagging me off behind my back. Do you know how I know? Because <laughs> when he's with me, he slags off everyone else behind their back. So why would I be the only exception? <laughs> Your kids he told says, you. <laughs> he said,
3: this is him on David Flatman. He is just so sharp, so funny, so witty, and a great storyteller. No, isn't that oh, I nice. don't to
2: cry my eyes out. Isn't that nice? That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. strong arms and legs.
3: He did also say you pick him up on any single word he says wrong as well, mind you? Names. I'm bad at names. <laughs> yeah. I'm really bad at names.
2: The worst thing is that I'm like um, uh, like a grammar hammer. And it's really <laughs> annoying. And I do it deliberately to be annoying. But I get pulled up all the time on Twitter. But everyone who pulls me up has got no followers. So everyone, no one sees it. And the reason they've got no followers is because they pull people up on their grammar so <laughs> it's yeah, it goes yeah it goes around yeah around. so
0: we we did this article flats and um yep. it was a nice article nothing you've not heard already um but some of the best bits and obviously this is why you've got mates is to tell you what the best bits are if you you can scroll down to some of the comments and uh, there's some good ones good player terrible commentator slash slash <laughs> pundit <laughs> <laughs> eight likes that <sad> ad <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he was sacked by ds smith for being useless despite giving the oh. job by an old md who gets excited um down below for welsh rugby union plays
2: oh brilliant is That's that true did you get sacked for being useless
0: no it was a what did you get sacked for i can't i can't talk about it legally
2: mistaken <laughs> identity again was it yeah.
0: i left them you fool um anyway simon yes thank you for coming on um no my pleasure where are we? Let's let's, let's generalise to start. Where are we with Welsh rugby?
3: Go on. I've, li- I've literally just finished writing the latest piece of the latest saga. Um, a lot of this really comes down to, and it's something you experienced in your career, uh, Shanks. You know, it, tries. just this. Well, and that it's just this ongoing saga of, and you can use whatever word you want: dispute, impasse. You know, stumbling block between the Welsh Rugby Union, the governing body, and the four professional teams—Scarlets, Ospreys, Dragons, and Cardiff—and we're into the latest uh, saga now. And as uh, is generally the case, generally it, it comes down to money. It mm-hmm. comes down to the level of funding, payments, investment, whatever phrase you want to use. And you have the amount that the union is prepared to put on the table. And there's the amount that the regions feel they need to be at a competitive level, which clearly they've struggled to be at for a number of years. Now, money isn't the only thing in sport, you know, the whole money ball thing, but it probably is the, the single most significant thing in professional sport. And so you've got this consistently going on. And in tandem with that is this ongoing discussion about the governance of the game in Wales. Because what we still have in Wales, to explain to the listeners, is 360 um, amateur community clubs who effectively still hold sway over the whole game both the amateur and the professionals Mm. the argument is that you to an extent you've got you know the the, the tail wagging the dog so there's this consistent clamor a lot of partners for more of a separation of the professional and the amateur game now i don't know exactly how it works in england flats i can say on this you know in terms of whether i get the impression that in england for all the problems they have, that the Premiership clubs essentially run their own business. Is that the yeah. way it works, France?
2: Yeah, I would say the local amateur clubs would have roughly zero influence over how the owners of professional clubs run them, yeah.
3: So that's the big difference, yeah. really. Yeah. So we find ourselves once again at this point where there's an impasse. The WIU put a, an offer on the table last week, um, which hasn't been made public, but it's got public as these <laughs> things happen. Mm. Um, what they've offered is some distance away from what the regions um, are, are happy with. And a big part of it is is, is the union are keen now for benefactors to put money in again. It's, it's long been my my uh, conviction that the only way you make a small fortune out of Welsh rugby is to start with a large one. You know, um, it's mm. you don't make money out of it. So whether there'll be a queue of investors waiting to put more millions into it again, mm. Uh, uh, this is this offer. See, the see, are yeah. given. This
0: offer. The W yes. given is for this season. That's starting in two weeks. Um,
3: it's the idea is to have a six-year deal, um, the first of which would be this season. So it's a long-term project. I mean, this is what people have been calling for for some kind of you know certainty or consistency in terms of financing. Um, so they put a package on the table, which would see X amount going to the regions over the six years, but in turn there's this. Um, wish for the benefactors to become more involved there's also a, a significant degree of, of debt because there are loans um out already yep. which the regions have to pay in this talk of a further loan to see them through the next two years so hey listen it all comes down to money it all comes down to money and of course there's only a week or so to go until the start of the season there's still everything's up in the air
0: what are the reasons for that why is it you know i, I understand it's a six year well they're trying to get a, a long deal maybe it's six years but that is very difficult for if you're a ceo of a club if you're in recruitment at a club now to to and you don't even know your budget so you don't even know who you can recruit who you can't recruit who you have to get rid of if we're 2 weeks away from the start of the season and you still don't know what your final money from the wu is going to be
1: yeah i mean as it
3: stands now they're working on a figure of 23.5 million Yep. from from the union. And that has started to be paid out. That was the original figure that was kind of agreed when the last agreement... That's was per season for six seasons, is that? And that's now. That's the current figure. flat. £23.5 million, right? Is that, sorry, no. is,
2: that, is, that, is that what they're proposing they pay each... No, that is what, the, that
3: is what they are currently paying out in total... Right. To the four regions at present, so that has started It's monthly, right. yeah, it's monthly payments. So that started in July. So that's how it's currently being paid. Mm. Now the view of the regions is that that's five, six, probably million short of what they need to you know to break even. Sorry, I'm, I'm like- just
2: I'm 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 I realize this is everyone else gets this except me. No, sorry, it's twenty-three and a half million total. Is that? Are they paying twenty-three and a half million for all four clubs? So is all are all four clubs getting twenty-three and a half million oh, no, no, per no, no, season? No, no, no. no, no. Or no, twenty-three t- and a half, so roughly six just under six million quid each per season. Is that it's, how it's, we're talking about?
3: It's between the four of them. So uh, there's a pot the way it works in Welsh is essentially X amount of money comes in, you pay the community clubs, you pay your staff, whatever's left over goes to be distributed to the regions. A total pot of about twenty-three point five million. It's not equal to each of them. Um, it's right. weighted. It's weighted depending how many players each region has in Wayne Pivac's elite squad of 30. Oh games. right. So the, more, the more internationals you have in your current internationals you have in your books, the bigger slice of the pie you get. So, but that's a balancing act, isn't it? Because you get more for having them, yeah. but you see less you of them. You lose them. them. You, see what I, yes. you see what I mean? So the current figure is 23.5 million. General view of the regions and their supporters is that's way short of what we need. Ongoing discussions to try and get a new deal in place uh, for the next six years or for five years, whatever a longer-term plan Which would we'll see an increase in money coming in so that's the background to it.
0: Yeah, we, we had a chat with Mark Evans Who's now got, uh, gone across to, to Fiji and he's it, talking about sustainability in rugby. Now if if you're, if, if you're saying um, that they might look at taking another loan out um, to help them get through the next couple of years, they've already got a loan of five million, around five million each, haven't they? Which they've agreed to pay off over twenty years. Is that right? One million per year. Yeah, it was a twenty
3: million pounds loan yeah, between which was the effectively four. Effectively, taken out just to, to see us through the to see professional yeah. rugby through the period where there was a massive reduction in, co- in income because of COVID.
0: Yeah, so we had to take a loan out flats whilst England were. They got money from Sport England, I believe that DCMS, was, was more of a yeah, grant yeah. rather than. A loan
2: so uh, it's a lo- well no it's a lot no I mean Worcester part of Worcester Warriors debt is a fourteen or fifteen million quid loan they accepted from um, DCMS from the government so I think it it that needs paying back and that's when you think of the size of it compared to what the Welsh regions have taken out it's a big loan that anyway, I think I think yeah.
0: they were granted money that wasn't yep. payable. Um but then. You talk about the regions, that, the regions, the clubs now taking more money out. Then, so are they just going to keep on loaning money and loaning money? Uh, there's got to be a well, point I mean, where someone's going to think. Yeah, this isn't I think what you've
3: got, I think what you've got at the moment is an immediate um, cash flow issue because mm. the clubs are coming out of COVID. It's been so difficult to meet ends and you know, to make ends meet, and you've got players on existing contracts who are probably contracted before COVID really hit. So the bottom line is that the regions are, need additional funding to see them through this period. And mm. what I understand is that as part of the proposal put forward by the union, there would be an additional loan for a couple of years. But obviously, which, which helps you see you three now, helps you get you through the next two years, but obviously it has to be paid back. Yeah. So there's this, mm. and the more debt you, you have, so you may be ending up getting, say, more money as part of, per year from mm. the union if there's an approved deal you having to pay back the debt so you're yeah. you're ending up slightly back in the same place so it's, it's like it's like liz truss isn't it how's she gonna juggle the money you, you take it from are
2: <laughs> in the money we're in a bloody money tree what what i with, with this the influence that is um held by the amateur clubs in wales the 360 amateur mm. clubs is it the case that they have a major say in in really simple terms um, how much money the pro clubs get from the WYU because the, and they don't think the, the pro clubs think they should have more everybody wants more and that stuff but the amateur clubs effectively don't think that in inverted commas all the money should go to the pro game um, is, is that what they think and actually they want a bigger it, slice for the amateur game it, it,
3: it's a bit different to that because um, the funding to the amateur game is actually ring fenced and guaranteed it's currently at about wow. £10.5 million pounds a year. That was something that um, the previous administration brought in because their attitude was, well, you know, if we go through a crisis, you're going you're to be the ones that suffer. So they put in this place this guaranteed settlement so that they, they get that whatever happens. Now, the funding to the pro teams is not guaranteed and not ring fenced. And what happened during COVID when the bottom fell out of the income stream for rugby is rather than getting 23, 24 million pounds of payments in the union, it went down to about 5 million. Mm. And that's why the loan was taken out, if you understand. Now, in terms of the influence that the the, the amateur clubs have, what they essentially have is ultimate power, ultimate control over major decision making. Each of the districts of Welsh Rugby would send a representative who would be on the community council and then on the, on the general, general WRU board. Now on the WRU board, representatives of the amateur clubs still hold the majority. So there's this separate organisation called the Professional Rugby Board, which is representatives from the regions and the union on. But ultimately, their power is limited because... Any final ultimate decision has to be ratified by the WIU board mm-hmm. and potentially, if, the, if there's disquiet amongst the clubs of what the board says, they can call an EGM of the clubs and overturn it. So it's all about who has the ultimate c- control. Now, what's happened this year is a review has been commissioned into the governance of the World Rugby Union. Without going into too much detail, there's currently 12 people on the WIU board with a, amateur clubs having the majority. The recommendations, I understand it from the review body, a top London consultant was brought in. It's a reduction to around eight members Mm. and more of an even split so that not one side has the overall control and having an independent chairman as well. Now, there's an argument like, well, why are the clubs going to agree to that because that's turkeys for Christmas? Why are they going to relinquish control? And so against all of this, you know, negotiation between the union and the regions you've got this going in the background of the governance because there's a view, well, it doesn't really matter what we uh, agree with you over financing. If we don't have control or influence over our destiny, we're not going to get anywhere.
2: It's a bit like Barack Obama trying to implement gun laws, you know. (laughs) It's like, well, you say what you want, mate. It's not up to you. So, (laughs) It's a bit like, I wonder if it's a bit like um, the whole argument within the, the Gallagher premiership at the moment, which is, you're reducing the wage cap because inverted commas all the clubs are losing money, or most clubs are losing significant amounts of money, which makes it unsustainable. Then you've got the argument: how are we supposed to compete in Europe? And my answer to that is: we probably won't. Equally, the Premiership will, at some point, maybe soon, become sustainable, and the sort of these little businesses in inverted commas, or quite big businesses, will become actually reasonable feasible options for investors should the current rich blokes decide to leave or retire or get poorly or you know catch something and decide they don't want to do it any whatever it is so it at the moment they're not but they're not great feasible investment options so what you got to do is get your own house in order and then start thinking about competing in Europe but I tell you what let's let all the premiership clubs spend 10 million if they want and yeah, you know, instead of five, because some of them could. Let's let everyone spend ten million, so that we might beat Toulouse or we might compete in Europe. But by the way, these businesses will at some point explode. The Premiership is on; would could could very well crumble on financial grounds. So, is it the case that just take Europe on the chin for a bit, potentially, to get our own house in order? Because French rugby is in much better nick. Is it the case that? The pro clubs the four pro clubs in um the regions in wales are asking for demanding whatever it is pleading for more money when there just isn't the money there or is there comfortably enough um resource within the wru to actually turn that 23.5 into 40 million and get it going and get it done well it's very
3: interesting because this comes down to the thrust of it you know you have Two or three years ago, do you know who the uh, the, the biggest financial contributor was to World I think it was 2018. Biggest financial contributor was it Tom to Shanklin? Ireland. No, it was Ed Sheeran. It Was Ed Sheeran four nights at the stadium sold it out wow. each time? Um, massive, massive um, influx of income from that. I think people forget just how important that is going to be moving forward in yeah. terms of trying to maximise the Principality Stadium. Cold player playing their next year again. game.
2: Well, we could do, yeah. Shanks and I Harry could do Styles. a live pod. With, <laughs> you could do a live You and Paulie and, Pauli <laughs> and <laughs> Mark Evans and Dean Ryan. Well, and did if you see what they had off, last then we'll knock them out. Did you Sorry, see no. what they
3: had last weekend at the staging Flats? What, what, what was that? The event? World? It was WWE wrestling. Oh, that was days,
2: I yeah. did see that. Yeah, it looked awesome <laughs> as well. Actually, it looked really good. Well, it was absolutely
3: packed. It was packed. Yeah.
2: But but the, the, the reason I raise
3: that is I understand that the union is forecasting for the next six years uh, an increase on income of one percent more each year, which some people might think is conservative. Now, this comes back to the governance thing. Because the, re- the regions, look at what happens in England, where essentially the English clubs are able to work out their own commercial deals, their own TV deals, they've an independence to do that. There's a feeling that whatever they get from the from the union, mm. it's going to be difficult to really move the game forward unless you've got influential influence and administrative control and you're able to arrange your own commercial deals. So that's a big of it. The other bit that interests me is that you've talked about the, um, the wage cap. I and mean, a, lot, a lot is made of exactly how much... Excuse me, how much each team has. Now as I understand it, the wage cap currently is five million in England, but on top of that you get marquee players and Academy credits. Right, yeah. So so I'm guessing I'm guessing that the overall wage bill would be
2: seven million, roughly. I, I think uh, probably sub six and a half, something like that, yeah. So yeah. maybe yeah. I mean so the comparison then
3: is if you look in Wales what the playing budgets are here, um as I understand it at present you've got the dragons are on about five million. The, the you know the, the least funded in terms of playing budget. Then you've got Cardiff um, Cardiff Rugby and the Ospreys are around 6.5 to 7, around about that area. And you have the Scarlet's about 8 million. So, that you know, if you take the average, you, you, you're kind of getting similar to England. The difference is, of course, whereas you mentioned Europe, well, the Welsh regions not only have to play the Irish teams in Europe, they have to play them week in, week out in the URC as well. And it's, you know, it's it's very, Shanks will tell you, it's very, very difficult, you know, to absolutely be clear and certain about what the playing budgets of the Irish province is. It's a bit like nailing down jelly because of the kind of opaque mm. nature of the IRFU finances and essentially the IRFU own the provinces. Mm. But I mean, a, you know, a conservative estimate has the playing budget of Leinster as being north of £10 million. Pounds. So you're talking about, you know, a fairly large discrepancy there. So it all comes back to this, doesn't it? Do you genuinely want, as a Welsh rugby organisation, as as Welsh rugby as a whole, do you genuinely want our pro teams to be competitive, not just in Europe but at a United Rugby Championship level? And if we do, then that is going to cost an extra amount of investment, realistically, if you want to actually go up against these teams. So, a is there the will? and B is the, the financial means I think to do that,
0: it. I think there has to be the will to be competitive at your club um, in Europe and URC. But with all four,
3: Tom? But with all four? Uh, or so I mean, at, at the
0: moment, you'd take one or two, because where we finished in the, in the URC was right down the bottom. The Ospreys have made it through to Europe by default because one Welsh team has to come in. And the problem I think we're going to get in Welsh rugby is that if the Welsh clubs aren't performing to a high level... We're going to lose a lot of young talent that's going to get poached by your heartbreak colleges and these types of organizations where they look across the bridge and they see um the product that you get in the gallagher you know it's it's to be fair it's it's done well um
2: great commentators pundits.
0: <laughs> it's 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 upped and hyped up really well and i think you're going to lose a lot of talent because they don't have much to aspire to because the regions aren't performing. And we, we have bashed a little bit on the WIU now and about funding to the regions. But there has to be um, a level of responsibility from the regions as well. And I'm talking about coaching in academies. I'm talking about the pathway coming through. I'm not seeing enough quality players coming through that are at a level where they where they can compete um, in the URC and clubs have to take responsibility for that because some of some of the product on the field last year, I mean, wasn't great at all. There were some good games, but the majority of it was was pretty ordinary, and we look no way near um, being able to compete for playoff spots in the URC. We look no way near to be able to compete regularly in Europe. There, you get the one-off game where teams do well, but consistently over a a period of a season I think Wales are way off and I'm and I've tweeted about this and I got hammered for it about youngsters coming through I was going to hammer you just now but you've done it yourself yeah and there are youngsters coming through but I just don't see a big crop of youngsters that we've had in the past yeah you get Uh, two or three or four and you know that players will always come through but I look at the last big group of players I think we had through was the the half pennies the biggers, the John Davises, the Warburtons, all and it, there's way more than that all around the same sort of age and I'm not seeing groups of players like that come through now yeah, that's it, was, it, it was
3: it was it was really interesting watching the reaction to what you tweeted and people had different views yeah. <laughs> my my take on it generally is i th- I still think that we are producing quite a lot of talent. My big concern, and you touched on it there, is our ability to retain that talent. Last month, um, a few weeks ago, I did a story on a match that took place, uh, was scheduled to take place between Bath and um, Worcester under-16s. In the end, the fixture was cancelled because obviously the situation at Worcester. But the teams that were picked for that match, there were 19 Welsh players involved. In the, in those in the two sides combined, it was like ten from Cumbrand, but nine from the Ronda. Yeah. that's not a one-off. I mean, you've for years now. I mean, I do. I keep a list flat of uh, of all the um, Welsh qualified pros playing in England, taking the first. That two doesn't divisions. surprise me. You're a nerd. I know. I am a nerd. first uh, <laughs> The top two divisions, and it's, it's up around ninety. Now, obviously, not all of those would be able to come back to Wales and enhance the regions, but a fair Mm. chunk of them would. You just look at the likes of Callan Sheedy, Lewis Rees-Samit, Tommy Riffle, Johan Lloyd, Christ Shumse, the young boy David Jenkins at Exeter is coming through now as well. Mm. Now, what's the the key with all those? How did they all get there? They all headed across the bridge to attend English schools and colleges, and then they link up with premiership clubs. And then, of course, it's really hard to get them back because they can be capped for Wales you know, while uncapped, even though they're playing across in England under the 60-cap rule. Now, there is the idea that at the end of their contracts, under the 60-cap rule, they'd have to come back. But I think what you're seeing more and more, Fats will know about this more than me, and Shanks, you will as well. You know, I think agents are probably starting to get a bit acute to it, and they'll probably be putting into these what's the, those, these rolling contracts yep. so that you're able to keep play, Because, you know, the players are doing well in England. They're, they're succeeding, yep. and, they're, you know, they're playing at a good level. But this is the biggest problem. We have to somehow in Wales put a situation in place where talented youngsters don't feel the need to go across the bridge to England to fulfil both their academic and their rugby ambition. Regions,
0: uh, regions clubs performing, it has to be. Clubs performing and giving players something to aspire to because you look over the last four or five years and I think it's steadily got worse and we're now mediocre. I think, in in terms of consistency through the year. And you just look at the table of, of where teams finish. And I know COVID had a part to play with that, but I think it's been steadily on the downfall um, ever since. And we need these players back. I mean, I think the 60-cap rule is, all in all, not a bad rule. I think maybe the caps are too high. I think there should be a level of... Regional performances as well, included in that. But my fear is if you get rid of the 60 cap rule, we're going we're gonna to lose more talent. More talent is going to go across. Hold
1: up.
2: It's, it's funny though Tommy because you there's a million things to talk about in all that but guys but you know you 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 know you I say you the Welsh regions have to play against these top Irish teams um, week in week out mm. that is bloody difficult it's hard to compete it's like the Premiership teams playing against the top top four team teams every week it's bloody difficult because they have massive budgets massive squads but I mean and I say this is one of these provocative comments I say it as a rugby fan you know um, half the time you're playing against, you're playing against their second team. So it, it's not, you're not playing against the full bore European Championship contenders every week. Those lads hardly seem to play compared to the lads in the Gallagher Premiership. I mean, the, the game time, they once did this thing at game time, Johnny Johnny Sexton's game time versus Maro Itoji's before the New Zealand Lions, so I realise I'm going back a bit, but I just remember this stat popping up in, on Twitter and it was like, whoa, the difference in it. We, we know yep. all that stuff. Um, but then to, to hear that, I mean, I kind of suspected, but I, I actually, to hear that Cardiff, for example, spend that much money, that is more than the Premiership clubs are spending. So when, so when Shanks, when you say, I think there's more, there should be more responsibility on the uh, regions to perform, I, well, as soon as you said that, I thought to myself, yeah, but it's difficult to, you know, Newcastle, we, we are pretty confident, year on year, spend a lot less than, say, Saracens do. Right or exit achieves Chiefs? Do they spend less? They spend below mm. the cap, is what we are led to told to, led to believe. They'll have the odd big win, the odd big season. They're a great club; they do brilliantly, but they are just unlikely to compete with the top clubs on a regular basis. It's just unlikely because they've got less resource. Right. So when you say they got to perform better, I'm like, yeah, but if they got half, they're spending half the money of everyone else. Then you then you tell me that Cardiff, you sort of remind me that Cardiff is spending. I didn't realise that much spending something like seven and half, eight million quid. So I God, mean, yes, go, they'll lose about to seven, about seven, 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 But yeah, that that yeah. is proper dough. That is proper dough, and I that that makes me think, Shanks, you've you've really got a point. I think they're that 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 is enough money for Leicester Tigers to win the Gallagher Premiership mm. with a new coach in two years. That in two years, that is enough for them to do that. So then I think there's lots of things to think about. There is Wru funding, which I'll ask you about in a sec, guys. But there is also there has to be a responsibility to use what money you've got and do better with it. But it's, um yeah,
0: it's a bit of supply and demand flats because because we don't have the quality of players coming through. You you know, you you get a full back, clubs are desperate for a fullback back or a 10. He's not quite the level, but they've got to pay over the odds to get him in. So yeah. Everything else then is yeah. in inflated as well. So we're over I think we're over paying yeah average players. And that's just pushed the price up of of every single other player. That's
2: a a real thing, isn't it? Like you look at, um, I've got mates that have worked at Worcester over the years and the money they've had to pay people to come and to stay um, and other clubs that don't have that money for for big name players, they just have to get what's left effectively, um, which makes it difficult. But interestingly, I mean, I'm sitting in my house in Bath now and obviously played here for a long time and... There was a period obviously after I retired where everybody wanted to be at Bath and there was basically there was chat around the game that you could get people for basically match their club's offer and they people will come because people are desperate to be here. The guys are playing great. Yeah. Then you had a period where I'm talking to people at the club in the street here or there and it's like, mate, we're paying this much for two lads in a certain position that we don't we love them, but we don't really want them. We didn't really want them but we couldn't get anyone else so we're now having to pay big dough to keep these guys we love the blokes but they're not the right players um and then you you know you're offering i don't know Carter or Pollard a million quid and they're saying no <laughs> you know it's kind of whatever that happened it it's it is difficult but to the RFU funding piece just it's all very well i had this chat yesterday and it was we want to compete in Europe so we need more money right but you are not making any money so if we give you an extra 2 million each that's 2 million of loss it's two you know or whatever it is so there's it's slightly different because the premiership clubs are all independently funded but it's it's kind of like it's a bit like saying well we I earn 50 grand a year and my next we're, I'm in marketing and my next door neighbor earns 500 grand a year and he's in marketing he's got a ferrari i should have a ferrari no because you ain't got the money for a Ferrari, get your own house in order, build yourself up. So these regions asking the WRU for extra money, the simple question is, do they have it? Is there money there for them to give? Are they asking for 10 million quid that doesn't exist?
3: I mean, probably one side believes there is and the other would argue there isn't. So that, it's, it's very difficult. So it's I mean, not transparent,
2: think, that's my question. They don't. Uh, no one knows. Well,
3: until each, until each year's accounts come out and you see exactly how much the income is, it's hard to say. And as I say, a lot of this is based on their projections of what they expect to bring in. The other thing that you, you touched on there, which is interesting, is that in the context of the budgets, I think the slight difference in Wales is that the, the top quality players, the ones who kind of eat up the majority of the playing budget, you, see, you have done in recent years you see so little of them playing yeah. for the pro teams because yeah. they are all away with the Welsh national set for so long as part of the agreement the funding agreement the payment agreement with the union one of the things is complete access for all international duty for all home based players Yeah. so you have them going away for like a seven week sorry, five six week period in the autumn a seven eight week period in the six nations and um, then, of course, there's, they, they tend to pick up a lot of injuries in international duty in international camp. So look at, for example, Cardiff have signed Liam Williams and Talubi Felato for this coming season. Now, how many URC games will each of those yeah. play? You know, yeah. this is the issue, isn't it? And then once you take those top players out and they don't play that often, you then rely on the depth of your squads. And I mm. think that's where the Welsh regions struggle in terms of depth and quality. Now, how do you? it's a difficult one because... I understand that one of the things as part of the negotiations is maybe trying to obtain the release of the players back to the regions more during international periods. Because what you have is, obviously, the although there aren't any the URC matches actually on international weekends, you have them the week before, players are in camp. You have them the week between Six Nations, players are in camp. So you're missing a lot of, you know, regional rugby. So whether there can be an agreement that Wayne Piva could release players back, you know, in fallow weeks, but then that's impacting upon it. Yeah. his preparation yeah. and potentially yeah. the success of Wales which again hits income but it's, it's like, difficult it's isn't it? like the
0: French boys that uh, used to play in France or or the Gallagher Premiership they have to go back in those weeks and play for their clubs which, which must be hard mm-hmm. because international rugby is so tough Simon I, I want to talk to you about the pathway coming through to yes. club rugby the Welsh Premiership and am I right in thinking that a league of 10 was proposed and oh, it, was oh, it was another saga another saga
3: another saga well mm. your good mate somebody, somebody you, know, you dealt with Nigel Walker yep. who's come in as a performance director would you have you played against Nigel Flux
2: uh, excuse me uh, he was about 53 <laughs> years before me he played against my great grandfather my great grandfather was near retirement age no so I watched my... him on telly
3: <laughs> so Nigel's come in as performance director of the union um was Involved with Sport England previously developing Olympic athletes, obviously a former 100 metres uh, Olympic hurdler himself. Mm. And his plan, he's come forward 110. Um, 110, sorry, yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> his, his plan, which she came forward for, was a streamlining of the Welsh Premiership. Well, the Welsh Premiership is the, the tier below the regions, it's a semi pro league, so the likes of Pontypridd, Eberville, Bridgend, Cardiff club side, Flanethly, uh, Lunduver, Carmarthen, Queens, these kind of clubs are in there. It's currently 12 teams this season. His plan was for next season to reduce it down to 10. The phrase he used, it, he wanted it to be a finishing school for young regional players. So those players are on the academy, on the fringe of the first team for Cardiff, the Osprey, so on. They would go and play at uh, semi-premiership uh, level in a more elite competition, 10 teams, higher standards, provide them with a, a, a good stepping stone for when they require the regents. That was the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than going from 12 to 10, uh, we're going up from 12 to 14. Um, and that was, again, a decision that was made by the Community Game Board, which has a majority of uh, amateur club uh, representatives on it. So they rejected the idea and proposal from the WI executive, the paid executive, and said, no, we're going to increase to 14. So going completely the opposite direction of what Nigel wanted. How
0: are the clubs going to be chosen out of the 10 then who, who was the gonna... idea
3: for the Nigel's idea or well, not just Nigel it was his mm. development um, his, his kind of uh, team um, was to have um, two teams um, from each of the four regions mm. so that's eight plus a team from North Wales making nine and then another team to be decided on uh, merit meritocracy because essentially what it was going to be was it would be a combination of based on geography and yeah. merit um, Meeting certain criteria in terms of standards of coaching, in terms of facilities and so forth. That was the idea. It's been blown out of the water. Rejected. We're going to 14 But then, you're,
0: you're, then you're telling teams, though, that, right, sorry, but you're no longer in mm. the Welsh Premiership. You know, that that's mm. it. You know, you're no longer going to get crowds yeah, in.
3: You're, you're back to that whole thing of hard decisions made yeah. for the greater good. We're not afraid of but that they said, either. But they said, said no. they said no. Yeah. So we're going to 14. How long will that will be? I don't know. But I mean, I mean, from the club's point of view, you can understand why they want to go to 14 because they want regular fixtures. Yeah, and you can they understand went, the other point come-
0: of making the league better below, which with, with less teams, which you should have more talent going to those teams. So therefore the standard should be better and there'll be less of a gap between the Welsh Premiership and club rugby, as in... Championship, clubs. the next level done, yeah. yeah. It's,
3: it's a difficult one. It's been an ongoing saga for many years, what, what the Premiership is for and on it goes.
0: Mm. So what is the Premiership for? Do you think it is uh, a feeder team to...?
3: My personal view. My personal mm. view is if you're going to have the Premiership as the stepping stone to regional rugby, then you have to streamline it and you have to increase standards. Mm. If it's not the level below and it's just the top of the community game, then fine. But then you'd have to have something else, be it regional A teams or something like that. But the problem is, Shanks, you can't have regional A teams, but because of the finances, financial situation facing the regions, they're all streamlining their squads. Mm. They've got less players, senior players on board, so they can't afford either in terms of organization or in terms of personnel to run A teams so that's why to a large extent the focus has gone back to the premiership who a few years ago were told they weren't fit for purpose as a stepping stone and said oh now we need you right. as the stepping stone oh but now we can't do it because we can't go down to ten so it's all it's Welsh rugby in a microcosm do, do
0: you think we would be having these conversations and such deep and meaningful conversations um, as we have done about wash rugby over the last six months had we not seen a dip in form of the national team because do you think this is do you think this is covered Good over question. a few
3: cracks? It's a tricky one though, isn't it? Because it's been up and down. Because twenty twenty one Wales won the Six Nations. like people pointed to the red cards and maybe they were a bit lucky in some extent, but they won that. They then dipped again this year, lost to Italy, yep. and then they go and do something which I've never seen in my lifetime. Nobody's ever seen in their lifetime. But they go and win a test against the Springboks in South Incredible. Africa. And actually played really well on that yep. tour. Could have won two. Really well on that Could tour. Could have won the series. Um, they, they, they were excellent. So, I mean, and of course, now we've got the All Blacks coming to Cardiff. Oh, it should happen then.
2: Oh, you're bashed, they're, then they're rubbish now. And it's only really been, you know,
3: 1953 since Wales beat them. So, yeah. I mean, you know, in all seriousness, although they were great against Sargentino at the weekend, they've shown themselves to be vulnerable at points. But, I mean, I'm fascinated to see how the Wales national team does in the, in the autumn, because mm. I think Pivak went through mm. a period... Where he was chopping and changing quite a bit at scrum half, in particular in, the, in your opposition, the centre, mm. you know, to change the loose end, th- three times during the season for, for the Flats. You know, we talked about it before, you know. I did sense that c- going into that uh, South Africa tour, he said, Right, need to settle something now. I need to do a more settled side. And I think that's what you'll see going through to the World Cup. You'll mm. try and have a bit consistency. And when Wales get their first team on the field, they're a decent competitive side mm. and they will give, give teams, you know, if you've got a back row of Tommy Raffel, you know, Faleta and Lidget, which those first two tests, they were exceptional yeah. and, you know, you've got some good players coming through in the back division, there's this, this potency there but again, a bit like the Regents, once you dip below the first team and go to the rest of the squad, sometimes they struggle a little bit as yeah. you saw against Italy. Combos, combos
0: are the big thing, aren't they? Combinations of, you're right, he has to start settling on combinations you know who who's the best center partnership is George North is is he going to be the 13 I thought he he still for me looked really good cutting back off the wing when he ended up on the wing against South Africa he looked far more dangerous um Simon are there are there any positives that we can take out of this and us dissecting Welsh rugby as a whole is it a positive that it's come about now rather than two or three years down the line is it a positive now that we're having these chats and w- w- you know what can we take from this that is Do you know what i take from
3: it above all well Pe- people still care yeah people still really care you only have to look at the kind of the, the chat and social media amongst you know regional fans they really really want this sorted that you know and people really want the wales national team to be successful i mean yes rugby is facing a massive challenge from the the, the surge of the Wales football team which is great. Uh, I don't subscribe to this idea that it has to be one or the other. It'd be great to see both you know sports flourishing both national teams flourishing. People really want this to be resolved. The only concern I have is the longer it drags on without a, a resolution and a settlement and, a, and an obvious way forward, I do worry that people are going to just lose patience supporters now and're just going to walk away from the game. And that is my biggest concern of all. And if that starts happening in the national Mm. stadium, I mean, you look at the last two games of the Six Nations, there were like 10,000 empty seats for both the France game and the Italy game. I think you've got a a really good point. I
2: I think it's very much the same at the moment in the Gallagher Premiership in some senses, in that some actually, drastic's the wrong word, some really brave decisions need to be made. Even if they're just trial things, those really brave decisions need to be made because people who might or might not bother, and there's always been those, there's never been those in football, but every other sport has them. People who might or might not bother to watch or come along or join in or play, Get, I feel like we're making it more difficult for them, making it less likely that they'll bother. We're making it all a bit, little bit foggy, a little bit underwhelming, a little bit bureaucratic. Um, it all seems to be very squabbly. And these things, okay, 10-year-old kids don't know about it, but parents know about it and it affects... It's bad PR apart from anything else. And it turns people off a little bit. And it's not about the diehard fans. It, they will come anyway. And I say with respect to them, you have to respect them. They will come anyway. Shanks, you, the three of us will watch anyway. We'll go anyway. But it's the people who might not, the people who haven't been before. It's how does it feel? One final question, which is probably the most pointless question of the whole thing, mate, <laughs> is um, I'm one of these guys that, I had a mate here last night and he loves rugby. And he was he was like, guess what? I was in Neath last week. On a he's a social worker, and I went down to Neath Rugby Club, and I said to a guy, or, or whenever it was last season, and he said, I want to buy. I Went into it. There was a shop there. He said, you sell any jerseys? And he said, be careful, mate. If you buy a jersey, they might make you play, you know. And it was a bit of fun, but it, it reminded me of how much I used to love. I went to watch Neath as a kid, I played there in under twenty ones, and loved it, and that sort of stuff. The old like pre regions, going back to actual the tribal atmosphere that I always imagine and maybe misremember being around club versus club, town versus town. This is a pointless question because it ain't going to happen, but did that did that, and would that potentially suit Welsh rugby better than these big professional regions? Am I talking uh, balls? It's just a question. No, not. I'm no, not no, saying no, it will, very, I'm just it's asking. A valid,
3: it's a very valid question and Shanks knows my view on this. Um, the boat we really missed was in 1999. There was an opportunity for five Welsh clubs to join the English league system. Oh, yeah. um, that was the offer on the table. Um, if we'd have said yes to that, um, there wouldn't have been a move to regions. You would have still had the five clubs. Uh, you would have still been a club-based environment. It was turned down by the Welsh Rugby Union because they went to 10 teams involved. Guess what? Within four years, we'd reduced to five and then four teams, and they were regions. So we ended up with the number we rejected... But with teams that weren't club-based, and we've always been a, a club-based setup. Um, mm. The reduction in streamlining of, of the number of professional teams was inevitable for financial and personnel reasons. And it was put but it was brought in to bring more success at international level, and that certainly happened. So the streamlining has worked. My view has always been that the streamlining streamlining should have been club-based rather than regional-based. I mean, the R word has just been a toxic thing, for, you know, for, for nearly twenty years now. We're still dealing with the consequences yeah. of it. We're a club-based environment, but we are where we are, Flats. And we flats, can't turn we, we can't turn the, the clock back now.
0: Flats, if you know, you went back to club level. You know, we we're hardly competitive with four regions, so you can see where yep. we haven't got enough good players to be competitive at that level. Um, Simon, just. One last question from me. Yes. Um, I know in the report that was done recently, um, it was in favour of going to three regions. That Welsh rugby couldn't support mm. four regions. Um, what are I was going to ask that, but I thought people would just hate me for it.
3: They hate you anyway, mate. I know. <laughs> um well that was one of the proposals i think it's important to say that there were a variety of proposals put yeah. forward by um the oakwell report another report commissioned by the union and one of the suggestions was that that was the way forward because the idea being that you can only if, if you want competitive regions you know really competitive regions you can only afford to sustain three now it's it, it's a really really tough issue this isn't it if you did go to that which team would disappear and um, you've got you know You've got a lot of people who've invested emotionally and financially yep. into the four teams. You know, who's to turn on and say which team would beat? Um, the outcry and the reaction to that, as you can imagine, was you know was very vociferous. Yep. And the, the end result of it was that um, it's really been on the back burner. And so as far as we're concerned now, we're staying with four Um the question then we come back to it is how can we sustain four financially? Well, yeah, that's the big problem.
0: We cut in 2003 to four regions, um, and my view is that we cannot cut anymore. Four regions we've cut, and it was there was massive upheaval with that, disappointment with that. Now we've got the four regions, we have to make that work. Well the you other thing's to...
3: been suggested is, is like a two a two tier funding no, system. They call it a two plus two or, yeah. or a three plus one or a one plus three. You no, know? I think I think these are the cars <laughs> we've
0: got now. We've got four clubs in Wales. We have to find a way to make it work. We cannot cut any. How more long do you give them before you cut a region? hundred years, I don't know.
1: A hundred years
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't... um well we've done we've done twenty now, haven't we? Basically. Two thousand and three? Yeah yeah got so.
2: 80 80 years to go um yeah then, then you can ring die young or dean ryan and tell them
0: and if we're alive we'll we'll do a <laughs> independent report all right um well i think if you can understand the film in inter- interstellar you can probably understand welsh Robbie and not many people can to be honest
2: so <laughs> i can't actually simon all i know is all i know is you're going to summarize tommy but all i know is that i want uh cardiff to win everything because die young's there and he's He's the best bloke going around. He's got the biggest blazer in Wales. And he's the best bloke going <laughs> hey mate, around. Dwayne really, Peel's not yeah. a
0: bad bloke either.
2: Smaller yeah, that's, chest that's size. Fair dos. That's yeah, fair dos. yeah, exactly. Kids'
0: close. Um But yeah, Simon, thank you for for taking got time out your day to to give us an insight. I think you know both. Thank you, Flats and I that's greatly appreciate. We, you know, we we learn a lot from these chats. We should probably do more. Um, mm. And this is one of the more serious sides to flats and shanks. Um,
2: but it's it's mainly good. We we really appreciate it. It's good for Hope our listeners. But mainly, it's it's because we can take your information and we'll now present it as our own. Well, that's so, what I do. That's
3: what I've done for years.
2: When you, you sell me about scrimmaging. jobs and, a job in it, mate. Play. Jobs a <laughs> <are> job in <and laughs> it. So, thank you no, very much. Pleasure. We appreciate my it. Hi, right. thank, thank you. you. Thanks, son. Thank Cheers. You.